So here's what uh, I believe the Holy Spirit really wants to share with us this morning. And here's my subject. That without suffering, there's no resurrection life. Without suffering, there's no resurrection life. And my central theme is that sufferings that are typical to us all have a unique way of connecting us. It's, it's, it's an amazing, it's amazing thing that happens. And here's my proposition this morning, is that everyone who suffers can experience comfort and life. And I think what we really want to know is, does God really care what I'm going through? Does he really care about the suffering I'm going through? And we all suffer in common ways. We all suffer in financial ways during periods of our life. We all suffer in relational ways during our life. We all suffer in physical ways in periods during our life. Not, we're not always suffering those things, but... There are seasons we suffer these kind of things, and it's common to all of us that we do. And we really want to know, does God really care when we are suffering? Does he really care what I'm going through? We're all the same, you guys. And so if everyone who suffers can experience common, I mean, comfort and life, how? How can we receive in our suffering comfort and life. How can suffering lead to resurrection life? Lead to something of life in our life, whether it's financial life or relational life or physical healing life. How can it lead there? Well, here's how. By deeply believing God sees what we cannot see and will bring life out of our suffering. We really have to deeply, 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 in the innermost thoughts of our heart, we have to really believe, God, you do see. You do see what I'm going through. You do suffer. You do see what I'm suffering. And I don't, I don't understand it right now, and I don't know why Mark died suddenly, you know, that's what Eric and Lisa would have to do. I, I, I don't know why this happened so suddenly, but I have to trust you that you see something I don't see. Lord, I don't know why I'm struggling so financially right now, but I have to trust you that you see something I don't see. And you will bring life after out of this financial suffering. God, I don't know why I'm so estranged with this person. I don't get why there's such suffering in this relationship. But I have to deeply believe you see and you have a plan to bring life out of this suffering. If we can deeply believe that, we can experience comfort and life. And we can experience that without suffering, there is no resurrection life. There's no life in that if we don't suffer in that. So Eric and Lisa just lost Mark. So, how many here today have lost a loved one, a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, a grandpa, a grandma, a friend, a son, a daughter, 
How many of us have lost one of those suddenly? Look it. Is this not common? You know, and if, it, if we weren't raising our hand to us losing a loved one suddenly, we'd be losing, raising our hand to, yeah, I've been through some financial difficulty. Yeah, I've been through some physical pain. You know, because these are common to us. So, when that happens, it's pretty numbing, isn't it? I mean, when something happens suddenly, you lose a job, you lose a loved one. You, you know, you're driving, you're walking down the steps one morning, coming into church, and boom, you're suffering physically for months. Don Walker's wife, Linda Walker, she goes in for a routine surgery. Boom. She can't walk. They've cut a nerve. She's paralyzed. You know, this was just something that was just supposed to go along just fine, come out, you know, and I'm all better. And boom. Suddenly something happens. And it's so numbing when that happens. And I think we heard that in Lisa Trout's word there this morning. She said, the emotions just haven't been able to break through yet. Because it's so numbing when something happens so suddenly. How can this suffering lead to resurrection life? I want to read you a scripture, especially about this fact of someone dying before their time. I don't know why I'm ringing, but I am. Listen, listen, listen to what Isaiah 57 verse 1 has to say about losing a loved one suddenly. Good people pass away. The godly often die before their time. We thought... Linda Trout's husband, Dennis Trout, Pastor Trout, we thought he died before his time. Mark, it seems like he died before his time. These are young men, you know, and others that raised our hands where we lost a loved one suddenly. It's like good people pass away. The godly often die before their time, but no one seems to care or wonder why. Well, I think we do care and wonder why, but we don't understand May the Holy Spirit help us to understand. No one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. Oh. Oh, okay. It seemed like they died before their time. But you could see something we couldn't see. You saw some evil ahead for them personally, not for all of us, but for that person personally, there was some evil ahead for them. That's what the Bible says. This is not Dean saying this, you guys. Don't shoot the messenger this morning, you guys. Liven up out there a little bit. You're listening to God's written word. He's the inspiration of this word that I'm sharing with you, okay? This is Jesus. Let's get ears to hear this morning so it gets into us that, oh, God sees something. He saw something ahead for this person, and he said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm a loving God. I'm not going to let that happen. I'm taking them home now. It looks to all of you that they, they passed away. A godly person passed away. This person died before their time. But listen, I saw something you didn't see, and I ain't letting that happen. I'm a loving God. Because usually we go, why did you let that happen that way? Right? right? 
That's typically man's first response. And we're numb to this situation. Why did you let me lose my job? How come my brother just died? You know? That's our first response typically, isn't it? It is. Come on, you guys. Don't look so religious out there. Don't look so holy or anything. This is, this is what happens. But if we can get a grip or a handle or go, Oh, God, I believe in the deepest part of my innermost thoughts that you see something I don't see, and I'm going to trust you're going to bring resurrection life out of this suffering. What do you do when you hit a season in your life or a day in your life when everything seems so very difficult and you feel pressed to the breaking point and sometimes you do just break down and cry? I did this last week on Monday. It's just one of those days. Man, everything I did, it seemed like, are you kidding me? You know, what's next? You know, everything that seemed to normally be simple and easy in that task or this task. And it was several different tasks. And it was just like, it was just like, ah, man. And finally, you guys, I just broke down and cried. I did. I just went, I just, I can't, I can't replicate what happened (laughs) right at this moment. But I just broke down and cried. I just went, I just, you know. I just lost it. Like, are you kidding? And then I began to remember, oh, okay. All right. I understand what you're trying to do. I understand what you're trying to do. There's a guy in the Bible that had a day like that. It was Elijah. This is found in 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 4, just so that you know you're not alone. Guys in the Bible experience this too. They have some bad days. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, quote, May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness. And sometimes that's what it feels like, right? We go into the wilderness when we're having a bad day. And... uh, Traveling all day, he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. He says this, I've had enough, Lord. (laughs) Come on, is this common to man? You know, aren't those those days where, and and this last Monday, I just went, I've had enough. And I broke down and started crying. I just thought, I've had enough. What's up today? You know, and sometimes we have those days. We just go to the breaking point, you know, and we go, I've had enough. Like Elijah, he said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I'm no better than the ancestors who have already died. You know, sometimes that just happens to us. And uh, uh, 
I'm not trying to preach doom and gloom, you guys. I'm really not. You know, Ecclesiastes says that life is short and it's full of trouble. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. He said, but be of good cheer. And why is it, why is it that we can watch a movie about a person that overcomes? Remember the Rocky movies and he overcame, you know? Remember the horse story? Was it Secretariat? And how this horse overcame, you know, or we'll see something on the news, on national news in the evening. And it's, it's a little story about how somebody overcame something. And all of a sudden your heart just kind of breaks and you get teary eyed. Does that happen to you guys or is that just me? <laughs> and, you know, and you just, and you just get teary eyed because, and your heart just kind of goes, ah, Because they overcame that hardship. And the reason why it touches you is because you suffer hardship. I suffer hardship. And we see somebody break through that hardship. And we know we're still facing some hardships in our life. And we haven't broken through yet. And we see that person broke. And we just kind of get teared up. And it touches the depths of our heart. I said suffering has a unique way of connecting us all. It really does. And funny enough, sometimes we'll just come to church and, you know, and how's your day? Oh, great, fine. It's not fine. But we think if we come to church, we're supposed to be that kind of way. Instead of like normal. You know, like, I'm, I'm actually today, I'm not having a very good day. Could you pray for me? You know? I mean, come on, you guys, this is common. Let's get real. <laughs> Let's be real. Let's don't be religious. Let's be real with one another. Let's really, come on. I can remember just a few numbing things in my life. And then where this message came from, this quote, without suffering, there's no resurrection life. But I I was just remembering as I was preparing this that there was this day, you guys, that um, it was like 25 years ago or 20 years ago or so. And I was preparing to become a life insurance salesperson. And I thought I was a pretty smart guy and I'd gotten A's. I was pretty much an A student in, in school and everything. And, and I went to take my um, exam, my life insurance exam for the state. And I flunked. I went, oh, wow, how'd that happen? I really had studied. So I went back and really studied some more. And I went the second time and I flunked. Now, not flunk. But it's pass or fail. But I failed. And I, and I didn't know why. I couldn't figure out why. They didn't tell you why you failed. It's like, what didn't I study? What's up? And that day, because there was three tries and you're out. I'd already gone through two. And I thought on the second one, man, I nailed it this time. And I didn't pass. I sat down on the back steps of my house that day. I was so numb. I was just numb. I couldn't talk. I couldn't think. I didn't know what to do. And I know I had one more try, and I was down to my last $7 in the savings and last $7 in the checking. And if I didn't pass the third time, what am I going to do? I mean, I was numb, you guys. Just a few years ago, somebody had mentioned something in my life from, from the church, and they had ministered to me about some control that I had in my life. And uh, 
So I started working on that and, you know, talking to my pastors and elders and kind of working on this control thing. And, you know, and I thought I had a pretty good handle on it. A couple of years later, I thought, okay, you know, we're, we're getting somewhere on this. And so I just happened to be sitting with the original person that told me about it one day. And I said, so, so how do you think this thing of control is going in my life now? And they said, well, it doesn't seem that it's changed at all. <laughs> Have you ever had news like that from your wife, your husband, your friend, your brother, your sister? I, I don't think you've changed. I, I'm just, you guys, I'm just kind of like, what? You know, I'm just like, what? What? The next day, I don't know where this came from, but, um, but the next day I went to work. And I was so numb. I just didn't know what to do that day. I mean, I had no feeling I, you know, I just went, God, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to start saying thank you. I'm just going to say praise the Lord. I don't feel like praising the Lord. I'm just going to go. So I spent the morning I'm, I was in, when I was in the tea room, and I was baking my scones and making the quiche. And, you know, and I just kept going, praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. I just didn't know what else to do but just say praise the Lord or praise you, Jesus. And it was very perfunctory. I didn't feel like doing that. I just did it. And pretty soon, my heart recovered that day. I don't even know how or why. And then I lost that business back in 2009. And in 2010, I went into January 1st of 2010 with a boatload of debt and no job and no income. And for the first time in about 20 years, I couldn't pay my bills. And I was faced with bankruptcy. The question, do I file or don't I? It's a provision in the U.S. It's okay. I can do this. You know, I was encouraged by certain brothers to do it. But I was seeking the Lord. And I came across this one scripture after about five days of fasting and prayer. And I came across this. I'm just reading my daily Bible. And and it goes, the wicked borrow and never repay. And I go, that's it. (laughs) I got my answer. I'm not filing bankruptcy. I'm going to pay all of this debt back. Because I don't want to be... The Bible says I'd be wicked if I was that way. And I don't want to be wicked. So, that was one of the most difficult years of my life, 2010. And at family camp that year, eight months later, I was asked by Pastor Dennis Trout... If I would go to Africa, I'd been praying for this for 30 years, you guys, 30 years. And he asked me, will you go to Africa in January and February for two months and help out over there at Christchurch Kasumu? And you guys, I'm just like going, whoa, yes, I'll go. Yes, yes, sure, I'll go. He said, we'll pay your wages so that you don't lose at work and everything. Okay, all right. I'd found a job by this time. I'd gone on debt payment payment programs and everything. So I was, so I'm just going, yes, yes. And so just around November of that year, I asked this question of God. I said, God, and that's where this message has come from today. I said, God, you're kind of into this suffering thing, aren't you? 
And I hear the Lord say, yes, I am. I go, well, remember, this is the deepest suffering of my entire life that year. I mean, I'm, you guys, I was in the lowest of lowest of lowest of lowest of that during that year. And uh, emotionally and down deep in my heart. Um, and I said, well, God, could you please help me out a little bit here? If you are into this suffering thing, could you maybe help me out a little bit so I could maybe be okay a little bit more with it or something? And he said, Dean, without suffering, there's no resurrection life. That's the title of my message today. And I went, huh? He said, without suffering, there's no resurrection life. And I went, oh my gosh. This has been the worst year of my life. And this suffering is leading to one of the greatest experiences I'm going to have in my life. Of life in Africa for two months. You guys, I hit a a number 10 assignment that hit a number 10 passion in Africa for those two months. I was the most alive I'd ever been in my entire existence in this world. Those two months, I was so alive. And I went, okay, I'm starting to get this. Okay, I think I can handle suffering a little better now. Because I understand that without suffering, there's no resurrection life. And so, because he said that to me, every day I was there, uh, it's a little difficult physically there. Because you go through such heat, you're 15 kilometers from the equator. It's very hot. It drains you. You're dehydrated. You, you have some sufferings. There's some other sufferings that you saw a little bit of it up on the screen there a couple of weeks ago. But, um, but each day I would go, okay, I think I get this. I'm suffering right now. Some of these, these things physically, and some of them were a little mentally too. I said, they're going to lead to some life today, aren't they, Lord? I'm starting to get it. This suffering will lead to resurrection life today. And sure enough, you guys, every single day, something would happen by that evening. We'd either be in somebody's home eating dinner with them, you know, and there'd just be this life flow. There would just be the flow of the Lord's life. And it was one of the most exciting experiences. And that happened on a daily basis. So when we went back this time a few months ago, You know, I was prepared. I went, all right, this suffering today is going to be leading to some life. And it did every day that we were there for the two weeks here just recently. So, so what do we do? So what do we do when we face these different sufferings and seasons or days in our life? What do we do? Do we blame God? Do we get upset with him? That's the first temptation, of course. The scripture says there's a sacrifice of praise. Well, what do you need to give a sacrifice for if you're having a good time that day? Yes, praise the Lord for the good stuff that's happening. The scripture says a sacrifice of praise. Okay, in the Psalms. Well, that's what you need when you're numb from the pain and the suffering. You need a sacrifice of praise. That one day... Remember I told you about that I just went. That day, 
All I could give was a sacrifice of praise. I did not feel like praising God. I just said, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Very profoundly. And by the afternoon, and I wasn't trying to get there, but I got there. Somehow my heart lifted, and I was okay. And then it wasn't a sacrifice of praise the rest of that day. It was like, Lord, I praise you. I thank you. Something's lifted. This, this heaviness in my heart is lifted from this suffering. Thank you for that. It also says, the scripture also says, to give thanks in all things. To give thanks in all things. It does not say to give thanks for all things. I think God was very careful when he designed that sentence. Because he realized, no, you guys can't really, down there, Dean and the rest of the body, you can't really thank me for all things. Because how can you be thankful that somebody, for the fact that that person just died? Or for the fact that you just lost your job? Or for the fact that you just had an accident and you're in super pain? How can you thank God for that? Well, the scripture never asked us to thank him for it. It just says, give thanks in all things. So what do we do when we face these days or seasons in our lives? We give thanks in it. Just in the midst of that pain, in the midst of the numbness, in the midst of what we're going through, we just go, God, thank you. I don't get it. I don't understand this. But I thank you. Because I believe deep in my heart, you see something I don't see and you're going to bring life out of this. It looks just like death to me and I don't know how there's ever going to be an end to this suffering. I'm tempted to share a real quick story here. Sunday, this last Sunday, a week ago from today, Mark Shanklin and his brother, Eric, he has a brother named Eric, okay, physical blood brother. These two brothers, Mark Shanklin and his brother, had been estranged for years. They weren't getting along very well. They both went to their own separate churches, and they always went to church on Sundays, Always, these two brothers. But last Sunday, they made a decision. Hey, let's don't go to church. Let's go boogie boarding together out in the ocean. Those two brothers went boogie boarding out in the ocean last Sunday, you know, and life came out. God saw something ahead and life came out. And they were restored relationally last Sunday. And they had a great day together. And they ate and they laughed and they played in the water together. And two days later, Mark died. Now, I'm sure Mark probably for years went, God, I don't get it. What? Why am I so estranged with my brother? Why is this relationship not working? But God saw something Mark didn't. And he knew he had a plan to bring resurrection life out of that relationship. And he did it. And he did it in his timing. So somehow we've got to hear, if we have ears to hear this morning, we've got to hear somehow deep down in the innermost thoughts of our heart, we've got to hear, God sees something I don't. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to thank him. 
And he's got a plan for life to come out of this suffering. I want to read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to do 8 through 12, first of all. Oh God, wait, I don't think I'm in the right scripture there. There it is. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Death, life. Suffering leads to life. Suffering leads to life. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. So that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. Do you hear the scripture saying this? Without suffering, there's no resurrection life. Without suffering, there's not life in this issue. You know? And then Second uh, Corinthians 16 through 18. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Suffering will end up in resurrection life. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. We put our trust in Him that He sees something that we don't see. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. We're going to get through this. Fix our gaze on things that we cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Without suffering... There's no resurrection life. So what I'd like us to do in conclusion is I'd like us to stand. If you can. I'd like us to pray for the one next to you. I'd like you just to just, if you're suffering anything, just share it with the one next to you. And the one next to you, pray for that. Pray for life to come out of that suffering. If both of you have nothing you're presently suffering, you may not be there. There may not be a day or season in your life right now that is suffering anything. So then, the two of you, pray for somebody that is suffering. Okay? And then when you're done praying for each other, you're dismissed. So take whatever time that takes, and then everyone's free to go. Thank you, Jesus, for our time together. Amen.
if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire